God has already begun a work here this morning during our praise and during our worship, but I believe there are amazing things in store, and I want to get out of the way and let the Lord do what He wants to do in this place. So I'm going to share what I believe the Lord has given me to share, and then we're just going to see what the Lord wants to do. Amen? If you're going to preach with me, say amen. If you're not going to sit on me, say amen. Praise the Lord. It's an honor and a privilege to be here this morning with you all. I am thankful for our pastor, for our leadership, for our bishop. Am I the only one here this morning? As Brother Barr already said, I know I am not Pastor Wright. He is not here this morning. If you are a guest, he is out of town. Um, and I am preaching this morning, and it is an honor and privilege, and I am thankful for this opportunity. And I believe that there is something to the Lord, like I said, he's already begun, but he wants to continue to do in this place. But I need to share a few things to get us where we need to be for that to happen. Amen. A lot of times we kind of think, you know, we're waiting on the Lord. And there's some capacity, you know, we are. If, there's, if we're ready for something to happen, but he says the door is not supposed to open yet, then you're waiting on him. But a lot of times I think he's waiting on us. We're, for us to get where he's ready to do the miracles. I've described faith this way. A lot of times faith is like this vehicle that gets us where the things are. It's not a matter of my faith is going to be the thing that causes the miracle to happen, you know, in the sense of uh, if I don't have faith in God, can't do it. God's able to do it. The miracle's there. I've just got to get my faith where the miracle is. I've got to get my dad out of the way. I've got to get the obstacles out of the way, and I've got to get to where the miracle can happen. We're going to read from the book of Mark, chapter 2. This is obviously in the Gospels where we hear about Jesus and his ministry and his time on this earth. And we're picking up in the story where it's pretty early on in book of Mark's uh, telling of the story and the narrative. But Jesus is doing what he's done oftentimes, and that's ministering, teaching, and preaching. But this situation is rather unique. Starting with verse 1, it says, And again, he, he being Jesus, entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive him, no not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy. Everyone say, sick of the palsy. In fact, every time I say that, that term, if you're looking on your Bible or your phone or on the screen, every time you see that phrase come up, I want you to say it with me. Say it one more time, sick of the palsy. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. There were four people with him carrying him. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sons be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts, whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk? 
But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Turning your attention one more time to verse 4, it says, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. For a few moments here this morning, I want to preach to you about making room for miracles. Making room for miracles. I already said it. I believe there are miracles in this room. But I'll just go ahead and let my faith show you. I'll show you where my faith is at. And maybe your faith will get there too. I believe those that came in here with a physical issue, with physical sickness, you don't have to leave with that. I believe people that came here with mental issues in your mind, you've got depression, you've got anxiety, you've got fear. In the name of Jesus, you don't have to leave with that. In fact, in the name of Jesus, you won't leave with that. I'll even say in the name of Jesus, those of you that came in here without the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, you will leave here today with the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Miracles are in the room. Healing is in the room. God is in the room. And I believe amazing things are in store. If you believe that, why don't you stretch your hands towards heaven and let your faith show by the words you speak. Go ahead and, go ahead and let the Holy Ghost flow if you have it. If you don't, why don't you go ahead and say, God, I'm, I'm coming with expectation. I'm taking aside my agenda, my plans. Whatever you want to do, I want to be open for it. I want to receive. I want to make sure I've got room for whatever you have in my life. Come on. Let your faith rise in this place. believe it's going to happen here why don't you clap your hands and make a joyful noise all you people shout unto God with the voice of triumph in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus thank you father thank you father thank you father you may be seated in Jesus name in Jesus name so like I said we we're picking up this story and Jesus is doing something he's done oftentimes and that is teaching and preaching and ministering and as often happened, while he would teach and while he would preach, a crowd began to gather. And this time it says he's in a home and this crowd gathers. And it says there's so many people that there was not even room in the doorway. I kind of picture him maybe, you know, in a, in the living room situation. Does anyone have that, that chair that's meant for the dad of the house? He's got, I can kind of see Jesus sitting in that chair. I don't have one of those yet. Well, I have my chair, but it's not a dad chair, you know. It's just a, it's just a husband chair, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so I've got that chair and, uh, and kind of see Jesus sitting in that chair and then the, the family listening to him. But then a friend walks by the door and they begin to come. And another person walks by and they begin to come. And then one of the disciples waves a group over and says, hey, come on, Jesus is here. And this crowd begins to gather to the point that they're, they're filling the floor. They've got the tables filled. The couch is full. The windows, they're peeking in through. The doorway is full. There's no room around them. Everything. There's just people everywhere. But we hear about this man that is sick of the palsy. And it says that there was no room for him. We've heard of times, though, where... There was a crowd that was gathered and someone made their way through the crowd or maybe the crowd was so noisy and the, 
There's a man that's blind that shouts and says, Jesus, help me, heal me, I'm here. There's another situation where a woman who has the issue of blood and she makes her way through the crowd, she presses through. But this situation is a little different. Why? Because this man is sick of the palsy. If you don't know what that means, there's tons of different types of palsy, but essentially palsy has to do with paralysis. There's herbs palsy, bulbar palsy, cerebral palsy, Bell's palsy, all these different types of palsy, and they all do different types of things. They attack your limbs and paralyze them. They impact your ability to develop and to grow. They impact your mouth or your face, depending on what kind of, we got all the different types of palsy today. There's like, there's too many to name, but they've got it all categorized. You know the world today. They got it. They got a name for everything. And so he is, this man, we don't know which one he has specifically, except for the fact that it says he can't walk. He's lame. So he's obviously paralyzed to the point he cannot take care of himself. He cannot walk and get where he needs to go. So this man gets four of his friends to come and help him to take him where Jesus is and where the ministry is happening. Is anybody thankful? This isn't my message this morning, but while I'm here, is anyone thankful to have a church to be a part of the body of Christ when there are moments in your life when you can't make it on your own? Someone can come alongside you and say, I can, I can help you get there. Is anyone thankful for the body of Christ? Not just this church, but the body of Christ, the bride of Christ that can step in when you're paralyzed, when I don't have the strength spiritually to lift up my hands and worship God, when I don't have the faith to stand to my feet and praise. Someone can come alongside you and say, I've been there, but we can get through this together. There was a time in my life where I found myself spiritually paralyzed. I had just lost my father and I was all sorts of confused and frustrated, and I did not want to come to church, just being honest with you. I was, I was mad at God. I, was, I had just started to have a relationship with him, with uh, my earthly father, and that's where I was. And next, you know, he passed away, and I was frustrated, and uh, I found myself having to attend his funeral. Most of my family, all my family was out of town and unavailable. The ones that were in town were taking care of my mom. She had just had, had open-heart surgery. It was a crazy time. So I feel like I'm going to go to this funeral by myself, but I had church family that came in and all of, there was literally, I looked across the audience and there was so many people that drove way out of their way to go attend a funeral for a man they didn't know. Why? Because I was connected to the body. And they saw Jalen's hurting, Jalen's in need. And so the body came and said, let us help you. Or I came to church one night when I was dealing with all of that and I literally, I sat right there and I did not want to get up. I didn't want to move. I was just, I was, I was angry. And some, some people became to come, to, came to come next to me and began to literally lifted me up, lifted my arms into the air and began to pray for me and began to, to pray strength and pray peace and pray comfort into me. I didn't ask for that, but they saw the need. And so I'm thankful to be a part of something greater than myself that when I find myself in these situations, I've got people I'm connected to that can come and pick me up and say, you can get where the miracles are. You can get where Jesus wants you to be and you don't have to do this by yourself. That's what the body's supposed to do. So this man finds himself with friends, with family that are able to come and help him get where Jesus is. And so he gets there and I kind of, I can kind of just, like I said, I like to like I, I'm, a, I'm a visual learner, and so when I'm reading stuff, maybe this is everyone when you read, especially if you're reading a, a narrative or a story, where you kind of just start to picture it in your mind, and you see things a certain way. And uh, that's, that's me. And so I'm reading the scripture, and I kind of see this man. He's got his expectation. You know, he's got, this is going to be amazing. Today's the day. I'm going to go see Jesus. I've heard the stories. I've heard the miracles. And I'm experiencing it today for myself. And he's excited, and he gets his friends and they're star walking. He's just laying there and he's like, today's the day. And I can see him picture in his mind. They're going to see me on this stretcher and they know, Ooh, Ooh, he needs something. Let's get out of the way. Let's clear a path right to Jesus so he can get what he needs. But what happens? He shows up and he can't even get through the door. There's no way for him to get to where Jesus is. And I can see him laying there 
and just frustrated, like, oh, man, I was so close. If only there was another. Hey, there's a roof. Think about it. He's laying on a bed, right? He probably just looking up. He's like, oh, hey. Hey, guys, what about the roof? And he tells his friends, like, let's go to the roof. Let's go. Let's make our way up there. Maybe we can, we can see if there's an opening or, or we can see if there's a, a way to get through. And they go up to the roof, and there's no opening. There's no, like, little sky window, you know? But there is just some, some roof, some, some shackling, some, some, some leaves and some, some whatever they used for their, for their roofs back then. I mean, it wasn't like today. I mean, today you would need, like, a sledgehammer to break through a roof. But back then, I guess it was just rip it apart. And so they're at this random person's house, and they say, listen, I'm sorry, but I got to get in that room. And they start tearing apart the roof to get to where Jesus is. I wonder how many times in our life God has something in store for us, but because it's not the convenient option, we just. Because we got to do a little bit more work, we got to go out of our way, or maybe we've got to do something that seems a little radical or that's a little uncomfortable. They literally go and tear apart a person's roof because this man said, I'm not leaving today the same way I came in. So I don't care what I have to do. I'm getting into the presence of God and I'm getting my miracle. What's in between you and your miracle here today? It's time to take the limits off of God. It's time to take the limits off of our situation. What does a roof do? Some people say, obviously, obviously, and there's, you know, spiritual application where roofs are good and there's protection and there's covering. But in this, in this analogy, a roof is, is a limitation. If I have the ability to throw a ball as hard as I can, let's say I get 100 feet in the air, let's say I get 50 feet, I don't know how strong I am, how, maybe I'll get Josh, you do it, yeah, we'll throw a ball in the air, you'll throw it higher than I will. But let's say, Josh, you have all the strength in the world to throw this ball and get it as high into the, high into the sky as you can go, how high is it going to go if you're doing it from right here? So it's only going to get so far, right? I mean, you probably, I feel like there's plenty of people here that can throw something and hit that ceiling. It doesn't matter how many times you throw it, how hard you throw it, if that roof is there, it can't go beyond. But if I got the roof out of the way, there's no limitation. And what this has the potential to do is all available. So when it comes to the things of God, how many times do we allow the limitations to stop and to hold us back? There's, there's a roof in my way. There's an obstacle in my way. There's, there's something from my past in my way. So I'm just going to, I'm going to stop here. But God's saying, no, if you just decide to let that go, if you decide to, to get rid of the tolerance and get rid of the apathy and say, I'm going after it because I want it all. What would God have, what would God be able to do in and through your life if you took the limits off? But see, we get so, we build up this tolerance. We build up this lifestyle. Well, I've, I've had it so long. I've dealt with it so long. I might as well just keep dealing with it. I might as well just stay there. It's fine. The roof's always been there. I might as well not worry about it. It's obvious. There's, there's a challenge in my way. So, so we'll just leave it like it is. And that's one of the issues why we don't get what we need to get out of life. What we have. I believe, let me say it this way. I believe there are people in this room that are battling sickness that God is not asking you to battle that. That God has not called you to battle that sickness, but you've tolerated it for so long. It's just like, this is who I am. This is what I've got in my life. Or you've been battling anxiety, fear, or depression, and you've just, well, this is just my personality. This is just the way that I live. This is just the way that I think. It's just, it's just who I am. So God can't touch those areas of your life? You're saying God has limits? 
Well, he does. It's unfortunately the limits that I've put on him because I've decided, God, you can only work so much. But what would happen in our lives if we said, God, I'm not accepting any circumstances or conditions. The sickness, I don't want to own it. I don't want to claim it. My mental status, I'm not claiming that. God has the power and the authority to do it all. But will I take the limits off for myself and let him in my life? They began to tear, tear off the roof, tear all of this apart to get this man into the place where God was. Because this man woke up this morning and he said, I'm tired of this. <laughs> I'm not tolerating this anymore. I'm not living this way anymore. I'm doing whatever I've got to do. I know Jesus can do this in my life, but I'm going to make room. I'm making sure there is nothing in between me and the presence of God. Nothing in between me and my miracle. There's something else that, that I find very um, just amazing that takes place in this, in this narrative, in this story of this man sick of the palsy. And it's something that applies to so many of us today. We tend to identify ourselves with what we're going through. It's not a matter of this is the challenge that I'm facing. This is the experience that I'm going through. This is what's going on in my life or in the world around me. But this is who I am. This man, I had you all say it with me, sick of the palsy. If you go through that scripture, that's who he is. It doesn't say Jalen, sick of the palsy, or Josh, sick of the palsy, or Matthew, that was sick of the palsy. It's the man, sick of the palsy. And at one point, I think it says man one time. The rest of the times, they call him that five times in just a few short verses. And sometimes they didn't even say the man, it was just the sick of the palsy. Yeah, he's sick of the palsy. What's going on? Oh, nothing much, just hanging around. Hey, sick of palsy, how you been? What you been up to? Well, not much. I literally can't move. And I know that's funny, but I'm serious. That's, that's who he was. Hey, it's sick of the palsy sitting on the corner again. Sick of the palsy, how have you been? Sick of the palsy, what's going on? Sick of the palsy, he's coming down the roof. Sick of the palsy. Until there's one moment where he's not called sick of the palsy. Go back. If you could put that verse back up on the screen. It says, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy. That's the last time that he says that. Say, sick of the palsy. Where are we at? Sorry. I'm like reading in my notes. I say to thee, arise and take up thy bed. Yes, go with thy way into thine house. Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven. Go to the next verse. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy. Next verse. I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way unto thine house. Next verse. And immediately he, not immediately he sick of the palsy, not even immediately he who was sick of the palsy, but just he. So what would happen in our, if, in our lives if we decided I'm not identifying myself by my circumstances? He woke up and said, I don't want to be sick of the palsy anymore. I have a name. I've been bought with a price. And if you've got the blood of Jesus applied to your life, you definitely don't need to be walking around with your circumstances identifying you. I'm the one with the hurt. I'm the one with the pain. I'm the one with the... No, you are the one that was called out. You are the one with purpose. You are the one with the plan that God is for. You are the one that has a name. But we identify ourselves by what we're going through, by the circumstances that we're having, by the circumstances we're experiencing. That's who we are. If I could say it this way, the man sick of the palsy, he had to get rid of the tolerance. He had to say, I'm not doing this anymore. 
he had to, he had to decide, I'm not identifying myself by this anymore. And I'm, I'm taking the limits off. I'm getting the roof out of the way. I'm getting the help that I need. Whatever has to happen has to happen because the man that was sick of the palsy was sick of the palsy. The man that was sick of the palsy was sick of being sick. He was sick of being tired. He was sick of being weary. He was sick of being paralyzed. What could happen in your life if you said, I'm sick of my depression. I'm sick of my shame. I'm sick of my back hurting all the time. I'm sick of going through life alone. I'm sick of feeling the bitterness from my past. I'm sick of healing, feeling the hurt from that wound. And you said, God, I'm not leaving today the same way I came in. But something is going to change in my mind. Something is going to change in my heart. But we've got to get sick of it. Because the Lord's not going to come break down your door. It doesn't say Jesus went and climbed up on the roof and broke it open so the man could get through. It doesn't say Jesus said, hey, guys, get out, get out of the way. This person needs a miracle. But you got to open the door. you got to make the way. You've got to show this is, so like I said before, I believe there are people that are going through situations that God's not asking you to stay in. There's some people he's called you to, to be sick for this season or he's got you going through this trial for a reason. But there are a lot of people that aren't called to be experiencing what they're experiencing. But you just tolerate it. You live with it for so long, you're just like, well, I'll just, it's fine. I'll just, I'll just carry this. It's okay. In fact, there's a, there's a story in scripture, a verse, a passage that's talked about in the Old Testament, and it's someone that experiences something very similar to that, where this lady, she wasn't, I guess you would say she was tolerating it because she found herself okay with what she had and not really looking for anything else. In fact, we'll just read it. Second Kings chapter four picks up with, a man, a prophet named Elisha, the prophet that was after Elijah. And uh, this story, he was, he was, as a prophet, he was traveling quite often, going from place to place and saying what the Lord told him to say and then would move on. But he found himself passing by Shunem. And uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, starting with verse 8, says that it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. This word great, it means important. She wasn't just, you know, a random lady. She was important to that, to that area, to that community to that to that place and she was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread and so it was that as oft as he passed by he turned in thither to eat bread and she said unto her husband and behold now i perceive that this is an holy man of god which passeth by us continually so let us make a little chamber i pray thee on the wall and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither so this man, Elisha, this man of God, this prophet is, is traveling and he goes through this, this town, this place of Shunem. And this woman is like, hey, you need something to eat. I see you all the time. You need something to eat. Come eat. Come eat. Anybody got people like that in your life? You're like, all the time, my, my family, they'll always be like, are you feed-? Or people ask me this all the time. Is Esther feeding you? Why? Because I'm so skinny. She feeds me all the time. She's an amazing cook. But people are always like, does Esther even cook? I'm like, yes, she does. I just have a really high metabolism. And I'm thankful for it because at some point I'm sure it's going to slow down. But it hasn't yet. So praise God. But anyway, yeah, so I, I eat it and my body burns it off for me. It's a great experience. But, but that said, you got those people in your life that are like, have you eaten? Are you eating? Do you need anything else? Are you hungry? And that's what this woman says, this great woman, this important woman says, hey, you need something to eat. Get, let me get you some bread. And he does this every time he passes, she would feed him until she finally says to her husband, this is a man of God. Why don't we just go the next step further? Why don't we make a room for him? 
Why don't we just make a place for him to dwell? Why don't we make a place for him to abide? Why don't we make a place for him to rest? And it was no longer a matter of visitation. It was no longer a matter of Sunday to Sunday. It was no longer a matter of Thursday to Thursday, but it was a matter of, I'm going to make sure you've got a place that you can abide. And what's awesome in this story is, the, the, the story continues on, and Elisha basically says, he's thankful that this woman has done this, and he says, hey, is there anything that we can do for you? Is there anything that can, that can happen? What, what, obviously, you've helped us so much. Let us do something for you. And pick it up in verse 14. It says, and he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi was his, uh, was his servant, was his helper. And he goes and he says, what, what is something we can do for her? Go find out if there's something that we can do for her. And she says, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need anything. I, I, I'm blessed. I'm fine. Everything's, I, there's nothing, nothing that you need. No, nothing that I need. But it says, Gehazi answers and says, verily she hath no child. And her husband is old. And he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the door and he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. She wasn't looking for a son. She wasn't seeking out a son when she helped out Elisha. In fact, she even said, Elisha, don't help me. I don't need anything. Don't tell God anything. I'm good. Because she had decided, I- I'm just going to, I'm content with where I'm at. I'm, I'm good with where I'm nothing against her. Maybe she, maybe, I mean, think about it. How much, how important is a child? I mean, children are important today. We love children. We want our children, want our family to continue. But do you realize in this time, in this culture, having a child was everything. If you didn't have a child, there was nothing to go on with your family. There was nothing to carry on the husband's legacy. If you, if you didn't have children, that was a problem. And this woman is like, no, I don't need anything from God. I'm good. Because she had, she probably prayed so many times for that child that she finally got tired of, you know, so it's okay. I don't, I'm just going to live with this. I'm just destined to not have children. And the moment comes where Elisha's like, what do you, what do you have need of? And she's like, nothing. I'm good. I'm fine. Thank you. But Elisha nevertheless says, no, you're going to have a child. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. How come? Why? What happened? She made a room for him. She made a place for the man of God. If I can say it this way, she made a place for the things of God in her life. She made a place for God in her life. And when you make room for God, God will make room for the miracles. It might not be something that you're asking for. It might not be something that you're looking for. But what could happen in your life if you said, God, doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter what I'm going through. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter what I want. I'm making sure you've got a place for me. This woman was important. So I guarantee it wasn't a convenient thing. She wasn't like, I've got nothing to do. I've got nothing going on. I don't have a husband to take care of. Come on, Elisha. Come stay in our home whenever you want. But she said, it doesn't matter. This is a man of God. This is, this man of God is on a mission. This man of God has a calling and he needs a place in our home to abide in. So I'm going to make a place for him to abide. So that way, whenever he needs to be there, he doesn't have to come and say, Oh, I just, let me move, let me move the living. I, that is one of the most exciting things about having recently moved. Whenever we had people come stay at our house, our apartment we were at before, it was a great space, an amazing place for me and my wife. But if we wanted to have someone over, my cousins would come into town sometimes. Different people would come to stay, and we have like a, we have our room, and then we have the main living room. The living room space was great. The problem was there's no other like room, so we literally would build a room. I'd get curtains and backdrops and all this dramatic thing and trans- transform the room because I had to make a place for them to to to, to sleep. And so, uh, or they'd have to take the couch. You have one of those. You got to like pull out or just a normal couch. You got people in your room. Anyone? Anyone? Does anyone here host? Has anyone ever had anyone in your house that does not live there? Just making sure y'all are. Give me some blank stares. So I want to make sure you're on the same page with me. All right. 
And some, maybe you've got a room for them, maybe you don't. But I'm so thankful now we have a room for that. If we have a guest come in town, I don't have to clear out the couch. I don't have to move my living room table or my living room couch or chairs around. I don't have to move the dining room table against the wall because I have a room for that. And I wonder if God oftentimes is looking for a room in our lives, but because we have him at the dining room table, or we're like, oh, God, yeah, we'll make stuff room. we got to move stuff around. But he's like, I'm not looking for you to have to make room in the sense of I'm here now. I showed up on Sunday, and it's time for you to get stuff out of the way. But perhaps he's saying, why don't you just make a place for me to permanently abide in your life? Not be something that you visit Sunday morning when the altar call comes. Not be someone that you talk to on Sunday night when Brother Middleton's leading us in prayer. But something that you've made a place for in your life yourself that says every single day, God's got a place for me. Every single day, God's got a place in me, with me, to commune with me, to fellowship with me, to abide with me. And this woman, again, she was not looking for miracles. She was not looking for God to give her a son. I'm sure at some point she was. But in this moment, that's not what she was doing. She was simply making room for the man of God, for the things of God. And in doing that, the miracle made room for itself. And so the story continues. Guess what? Elisha was right. She got pregnant. She had a son. But the miracle doesn't end there because what happens after that is years go by. He's a little older. And uh, picking up, sorry, at verse... um, Let's go down to uh, verse 18. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. Next verse. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to Elad, carry him to his mother. Next verse. And he, when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and then he died. Well, God, why'd you do that? She made room for you in her life, and she even said, don't, 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 don't give me false hope. Don't tell me that I can have this child. Don't do this to me. Just, just, I'm fine. Just taking care of you. Let's just leave it as it is, and then you're going to let him, let him die a little later? Why? Next verse. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. You notice where she put the child? And laid him on the bed of the man of God. So, in other words, after God gave her the miracle, the place still remained for the man of God. See, this is, this is why I feel like a lot of times God can't do what he wants to do in our lives. Because too many of us, once we get the thing, we don't need the God anymore. Once we get that, once we get that miracle, once we get the gifts of the Spirit, once we've operated and done X, Y, and Z, once God has filled us with the Holy Ghost, or once I've been baptized, or once I've, I've done X, Y, and Z, once I've received this, once I've got that child, that gift, that job, that raise, I might not, I don't, I don't think I need God anymore. But what happens in this woman's life? She has a child, he's grown, and still there was a place for the man of God. Still was a room that she was able to take that son to when he died. And so immediately she takes that son to this room to this place that was prepared for the man of God. And then she basically just finds the fastest way to get to Elisha, runs to him, gets in his presence and says, hey, why would you do this to me? I told you not to lie to me. I told you not to deceive me. I told you I was good, but you gave me the son and I've been thankful for it. That's awesome. But now he's gone. And so Elisha 
makes his way to eventually, he eventually, he goes with, she actually says, I'm not leaving you. She sent, Elisha sends his servant, his helper to go and pray and do things and uh, obey the man of God. But she's like, I'm not leaving you, Elisha. I know, I, I know what you said. I know what you can do. And I'm not leaving until I know everything's taken care of. And so Elisha comes and goes to the house. And long story short, what happens? The, the boy's back alive. The boy's alive again. The boy's living again. But it's something so significant because, like I said, when we're talking about making room for the things of God, making room for miracles in our lives, it's not a matter of making room in the sense, I'm going to just empty out this now so that I can get this one thing and that one thing is going to replace it. Because, I, I mean, anyone, has anyone ever renovated a house or added to it or anything like that? You've built, okay, we got some people that you've added things like that. This woman, how convenient could it have been? They made this room for this man of God and then all of a sudden, Oh, my Lord, we're pregnant. Oh, praise God. We're going to have a baby. We need a room. We need a nursery. Oh, wait, we just built that addition up on the roof for the man of God. He won't mind. Let's just use that. It's convenient. But obviously, they didn't. Doesn't say it here, but I think it's safe to assume if the man of God still had his room. Because it says when Elisha came with the mom back to the house, he went up to his room and prayed for the boy and covered the boy, and that's where he was healed. So there was still a room for Elisha. So even in, when it was convenient for her to do one thing, she said, no, I'm keeping you. So that's what I'm saying about making room. I'm not saying right now, let me just empty myself out and get everything I need from God and be done. But I'm saying make a place in your life, in your heart, where it says, God, this was meant for you. This was designed for you. This temple was built for you. And you can abide here as long as you want, whenever you want, whether I want you here or not, it doesn't matter because this is where you belong. But we've got to make room for him in our lives. We've got to get, get out of If you just pray for a moment, let faith rise in this place again, please. I'm not trying to hype you up here this morning. Keep praying. I'm not trying to hype you up this morning. I'm not, I, I couldn't care less about hyping people up. I, that's not why I'm here. I truly believe God wants to do some amazing things in people's lives this morning, but he's, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you and say, I want to do this miracle, so I'm going to make it happen. But we've got to decide more than, more than anything else, I'm making room for the miracle by making room for him. I'm making room for the miracle by getting these things out of the way, getting these these areas in my life out of the way, these, 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 these situations. There's people that are dealing with hurt and pain in this room that you've dealt with since you were young. I'm not talking physical. I'm talking emotional trauma and damages and, and shame and hurt that you've dealt with your whole life. You've lived with it for so long. And God's saying, why? Let it go. Let me take care of that for you. Let me take that from you. But we've got to make room for him. There was a time in my life, I, um, this was uh, a few years ago, I was kind of, I was frustrated, just being honest, I was, I got kind of tired of hearing the stories of, 
of old when it came to Antioch and the amazing things that happened and the revivals and all that. But even more than that, I got kind of frustrated with reading the scripture and seeing all the amazing things that were happening and taking place. All these miracles, signs, and wonders, you know, crazy stuff going on. And then Jesus has the nerve to tell us greater things. Y'all are going to do greater things than all these people did. All these things you read about in the Bible. Well, I don't know about you, but my shadow hasn't gone over someone and they've been healed. I don't know about you, but I don't personally know of someone that was dead for three days and then, boom, they're alive again. I know someone was dead for like an hour and was alive. That's still pretty cool. But three days, like that body's nasty at that point. I didn't, I didn't know of these, I didn't see these kind of things. They certainly weren't happening in my life. And I was frustrated and I said, God, why? Why aren't we seeing these things like you said we were? I believe amazing things have been happening recently in this church. God is doing things. Revival is, is, is happening. Harvest is happening. But I was just frustrated. I was like, God, we're not experiencing what you said we were experiencing. And he said, you want unlimited access to me. This is God talking to me. You want unlimited access to me, to my miracles, my signs, my wonders. You want unlimited access to, to the miracle signs and wonders of an unlimited God. I was like, well, of course. Yeah, I want that. And he says, he's like, oh, that's fine. All while giving me limited relationship with limited consecration and with limited sacrifice. We want to see all of these things. We want to experience all of these things. We want to hear the revivals, hear, experience the harvest, experience the miracles and the, and the gifts of the Spirit and, and, and know all this, all while I still get to have some control, all while I get to still decide when I show up and when I don't, what I do and, and what I don't. You want unlimited access to a God who can do literally anything in your life all while you get to say when it happens and where it happens. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for a place in you and with you and around you to dwell in, to abide in, that says you're here all the time. You've got the reins. You do what you want, when you want, how you want it. Because it's not up to me, Jesus, but it's up to you. So, so what, is that, what does that look like here today? What does that mean for us today? What does, where does that put us here today? I already said it. I, I've told you what I believe God can and, and wants to do in this place. And I'm not saying this is a cop-out, so if nothing happens, then, oh, Jalen, Jalen was safe because he said this. But if it doesn't happen, it's not because it wasn't here. If it doesn't happen, maybe it was because I didn't make room for my miracle. Like I said, it's not going to be something that's convenient. Going back to the man sick of the palsy, it wasn't a convenient thing. He had to do something no one, no, no one has ever just gone up to someone's roof and said, I'm just going to break it open and come from here. But he said, I don't care. Jesus is in that room. I want to get in there. So whatever's in the way, I'm getting it out. And that's, that's something I think that a lot of us are struggling with in our lives. It, it could be something present, something currently in our lives, relationships or, or situations, circumstances, choices that I'm making that are the things that are in between me and the things of God. But there's others of you that have hurts and pains and wounds and shame from your past, and that's what's in between you and God. But you said, God, it hurts too much to touch it. It hurts too much to talk about it. It hurts too much to, 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 to bring it to the surface, so I'm just going to let it lie. When in fact, God's saying, well, if you would just get it out of the way, you have no idea what I could do in and through your life. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on being long this morning. I 
I knew what I felt to say, and like I said, I was just wanted to share it and let you know what I believe God can do in this place and wants to do in this place and in Jesus' name will do in this place. But I do want, it's kind of, it's funny. We have these moments where we kind of see, uh, you you know, you picture things going on. You you see things, this is how you kind of picture it. I've got to give this speech. This is what it's going to look like. Or I'm going to preach and this is what's going to happen. Unfortunately, that's what happens to me oftentimes. I'm like, all right, Lord, this is how it's going to go. It's just going to go crazy. And you know what I saw? I saw me just starting to pray and just things happening and faith getting sown and the stories being shared and then faith just rising up and y'all just taking it. Because, again, <laughs> let's go back to the man sick of the palsy. Sorry, I was dumb, but we're not there yet. Almost there, though. In Jesus' name, y'all are almost there. Let's go back to the story of the man sick of the palsy. Thank you, Father. There's uh, something very interesting that takes place. Again, we find him in a crowd of people, correct? There's all these people surrounding him. Jesus. How many miracles took place in that, in that room? We don't really know for sure. It doesn't tell us per se, but we could believe if that story is what's represented in these verses, looks kind of like he just worked in one person's life. I mean, it's kind of interesting because you got again and again, first one, he entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noise that he was in the house and straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. There's a crowd of people, a ton of people. How many times did Jesus do miracles and they said many were healed, many signs were having, many, many wonderful things took place. Many sins were forgiven, but yet you don't see or hear anything like that happening until what? This man sick of the palsy shows up and he's lowered in front of him. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. What happens after, which verse is that? My notes are all over the place. When they could not come nigh and impress the cup over the roof where he was. Yeah, yeah, here we go. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. So Jesus forgives sins for this man, sick of the palsy. Then he does a miracle in his life. Where were all the other miracles? Was there only, do we really believe there was only one person in that place that needed something from Jesus? Do we really believe there was only one person that needed his sins to be forgiven? Do we really believe there was only one person that had something going on in their, in their relationships or in their lives? Do we really believe there was only one person that had some sort of physical illness in that crowd of people? Or perhaps could it have been the fact that there was one person, it says, and Jesus saw their faith. And his faith was, your faith is tethered to your actions. So because the man sick of the palsy believed that God could do it in his life, he said, we're going to get the obstacles out of the way and I'm getting in the presence of God because I want what I know I can receive from him today. But all these other people, Jesus, come pray for me. No, it's not mentioned there. But what happened? This one person that has faith and says, I want this so bad, I'm going to do what I've got to do. I just don't want to see God ready to do something in someone's life here this morning. And you leave the same way you came in because you were comfortable just sitting there. That's what the scribes did. I'm, I'm good where I'm at right now, Jesus. So I'm just, you're teaching good. I'll, I'm receiving it, but I'm just going to stay, stay where I'm at. I don't, want, I don't want anyone in this place to miss out on an opportunity for God to do something miraculous in your life because it means you got to get a little uncomfortable. 
because you might have to get a little radical because you might have to do something that no one else around me is doing. I might have to say something that no one else around me is bold enough to say. I might have to take the limits off and see something that I've never seen before. God can do it. But am I going to do what's necessary to get where the miracle is? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let it not be said, Father, that you wanted to heal in my life, but I wouldn't let you because I was too comfortable living with it. Let it not be said, God, that you wanted to use me in a way I've never been used before, but I was too comfortable with my life and with the status quo that you couldn't do what you wanted to do in and through my life. Let it not be said that you wanted to pour out your spirit and me be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But because I was too comfortable living my life the way I was living, I didn't go where I needed to go in you and let you give me what you wanted to give me. Let it not be said that I wanted to, that you wanted me to get baptized in Jesus' name and filled with your spirit, but I was too comfortable with how things were now and I felt everything was fine now, so I'm just gonna stay and keep it the way that it is. Shito Seka Yama Nese Shito Mosa in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
Jesus, in the name of Jesus. That's it. Come on. We're making room right now in the name of Jesus. We're removing the things in our lives. We're, we're pouring ourselves out. We're making room before the miracle, before the healing, before the, the signs and the gifts and the wonders. We're making room right now. There are people in this place that will be filled with the Holy Ghost before you leave. But right now you're making room. There will be people that experience the miraculous power of Jesus Christ here this morning. But before that happens, you've got to make room. We've got to get the things out of the way. We've got to remove the walls, remove the ceilings, remove the barriers, remove the shame. Let that all get emptied out right now in the name of Jesus. Father, right now I cleanse. pray that you could cleanse my heart, cleanse my spirit, God. Remove every distraction. Remove every barrier. Remove every boulder. Remove everything in my life, God, that keeps me from getting to where you are. Forgive me for my sins, God, in my life. Forgive me for my shame. Forgive me for the areas of my life, God, that I, that I did things that I knew I shouldn't have, Father. Forgive me for the things in my life, God, that I didn't do that I should have. In the name of Jesus, empty it out. Empty it out. Empty it out. Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me have your attention for a moment. God's not finished. Let me have let me have your attention for a moment. God's not done here. But I've got to I need to share this. And I believe that we are going to see some amazing things here this morning. We already have. God has begun to work. Like I just said, we've been, in, we've been emptying out. This is what making room looks like. It's saying, God, not what I want, but you want. Not how I want to live, God, but how you want to live. Not what I want to do, but what you want to do through me. We've been emptying out. We've been making room. We're going to pray again. Don't worry. God's not going anywhere. He's still here. But I need to share this. Let me have your attention. A couple of years ago, I was privileged with an opportunity to go to Africa for a short-term missions trip. And uh, it was an awesome experience, although I didn't know it at the time. I was very just confused. I didn't know why I was there, why I was going. I knew the reason why I went was because God told me, have your attention, I knew I was going because God told me, he said, Jalen, Jalen, go to Africa. The door opened and I went, but I didn't know why I was going. And I went to this trip and that confusion just continued because as the trip begun, they kind of got all the group together and they said, everyone, tell us why you're here. What are you looking to get out of this trip? 
And everyone began to share things like, well, I'm called to be a missionary and I feel like it might be Africa, so I'm looking for confirmation. Or someone else, I'm called to be a missionary, but I don't know where I'm supposed to go, so I'm just here seeing. And others were like, I don't know what I'm called to do, but I just, I'm, I'm looking for some direction while I'm here. That just made it even more confusing for me because I was like, God, I'm not looking for any of this. I don't feel called to be a missionary to Africa. I don't even feel called to be a missionary. I'm not looking for, I'm, I'm already in the kingdom. I'm already working full-time ministry. I'm already involved in, in all these things. God, I don't know why I'm here. And so we had a moment of prayer right after that. And I began to just pour this all to God. God, why am I here? What are you doing? What am I supposed to get out of this trip? And I just kept saying that. What am I supposed to get out of this trip? What am I supposed to get out of this trip? What am I supposed to get out of this trip? And he said, it's not about what you're getting out of this trip. It's about what I'm getting out of in you. I was like, God, what does that mean? He says, you've got me in a box. God, how do I have you in a box? I'm a worship leader at my church. I'm involved in youth ministry. I lead the, ministry, the media department. I'm doing all these things. I, I, I work in the district. I'm licensed. I'm, how I put you in a box? My whole life is about you. All those things you just listed off, Jalen, those are the boxes you put me in. You, you're fine prophesying to the body of Christ as long as you're doing it with music and the, and the worship team behind you and singing. You're fine praying over young people when you're in a private living room, but if I ask you to do it at, at a grocery store, you get a, little, you get a little timid about it. You're cool teaching a Bible study to, to a person you've known for 10 years, but if you come across someone at the supermarket and I told you right there, start telling them what the love of God can do in and through their lives, you decide it's a little outside of where you like me to work. I had gotten so good at the media and the music and the, and the, the small groups that that was like, God, as long as you just keep me there, I'm good. But the moment I felt pressed to step outside of that, I don't know, God, I don't think I could do that. But that moment, I just began to just, just give it all. I said, God, you know what? You're right. Forgive me. And I repented and I emptied out. And I said, God, whatever you want to do in and through my life on this trip, you have free reign. You want to do something amazing? Great. You don't? Great. But you do whatever you want. And I also said, when I go back home too, do whatever you want. And so the very next day, I saw things I never thought I'd see. I did things I never thought I'd do. Just to build more faith, I'll get specifics. There was a little girl with a, a growth on her face the size of a softball. And God said, lay your hands on it. I laid my hands on it and I prayed in Jesus' name. Whatever this is, God, heal her. And I, it didn't go away completely, but I watched. It went from that to that. I watched it shrink. There was a young boy who said he had epilepsy and he had the symptoms all his life in that very moment he was struggling with some of the symptoms he says he doesn't want anymore we prayed for him immediately he said all my symptoms are gone i've never had no symptoms in my life all the symptoms gone there was a young lady during an altar call we had she was having an asthma attack in the moment she says i can't breathe i can't breathe i can't breathe and i said in the name of jesus christ i loose the breath of god into those lungs and immediately she started breathing she says it's not it's not tight anymore i feel fine i can breathe i can breathe and one of the greatest miracles, I watched as 10 and 20s and 30s began to get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'd lay my hand on their head and I said, in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost. They'd start speaking in tongues. I saw the, I didn't do that here. And it was amazing. I was like, God, I'm on fire. This is awesome. I'm so excited. And I came home. We had youth camp the very next week. I went to youth camp. Same thing. Gifts were flowing. Gifts were operating. I was praying for people that had back pain. I was praying for this. Praying. 
I could have, you could have told me to pray a mosquito through and I did it. I was so on fire, so passionate. God, you can do anything. But unfortunately, I got back home. The media was there. The music was there. The worship ministry was there. The, the, the boxes that I was so used to flowing in a certain way. And so I, and I had to step back into them. I was called to work in those areas. So I, I set back into those areas of ministry. But then it kind of like the hype kind of died down and the, 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 the mountaintop was fading. You know, you went to Africa. Everything crazy happens in Africa. And I got back home. And unfortunately, I'm sad to tell you today, I didn't stay that same, just on fire, God, whatever you want to do. I, I started to, it was right in the very beginning I was. He'd say, pray for that person. Go tell that person this. Go stop by that person in the store. And I did it. But as time progressed, I got less and less. And I got more back into those boxes. I said, all right, God, let's, let's just let's round it back off. And he'd say, go pray for that person. I was like, that's too much for me. Or go, go lay hands on that. I got this way out of my comfort. You want me to tell them what? I can't do that. Brother Isaac can do that. Brother Mike can do that. Brother Barr can do that. Pastors got that. And I got right back into those, those areas that I was where I was comfortable and where I was like, God, you can do X, Y, and Z. And the very boxes that I told him he can get out of, I found myself reapplying those to his life. Well, I'm here to tell you today, I, I'm done with those boxes. And as a show, to show that, that same faith that Jesus saw, that man that wanted healing, he said, I saw his faith, so I did this. I'm about to take my own step of faith. And I'm about to do something here that is I've never done here before in my life. That is a, that is a mic ministry or a special evangelist because I don't, I don't uh, Lord, do it through anyone else. But not me. I'll do it on the side. But from a pulpit, but guess what? I feel it, and I'm going to do it. So anyone in this place right now, if you need a physical miracle in your body, I want you to come down to the front and raise your hands. If you need a physical miracle in your body, come down to the front and raise your hands. All across this place, you see all the people. If you see someone around you with their hands raised, come and join your faith with their faith. And let's hold on before we keep you can start praying, but let's we're emptying out. We're making room right now. Make room. Don't come here just look. We're gonna see miracles happen, but don't come here just look for the miracle. But come here looking for the God that can do the miracle. Come here looking for Jesus who can who can heal your body. Don't just look for the healing in your body. But start to worship the God that can heal your body. Make room. Make room in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we're making room for you, God. Come on, let faith rise. Let faith rise. Empty it out. Pour it out. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. I take authority and dominion over every physical ailment in this room. Every single person who has brought their faith down to this altar and has raised their hands. I plead the blood of Jesus right now. Healing in the name of Jesus. Miracles in the name of Jesus.
of Jesus. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. Be made new in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, by his stripes, you are healed in the name of Jesus. His word says you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I bind every sickness in the name of Jesus. I bind every illness in the name of Jesus. I bind every ailment in the name of Jesus. I bind every dietary restriction in the name of Jesus. Wholeness in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. We're going to go one step forward, for, uh, one step further. Is anyone in this place that needs healing in your mind? You've been dealing with depression. You've been dealing with anxiety. You've been dealing with fear. You've been dealing with being overwhelmed. You've been dealing with a lack of peace. If you need healing and restoration, you need a miracle in your mind, I want you to make your way down to this altar if you're not already here and stretch your hands towards heaven. Once again, stretch your hands high. We're going to mix faith with faith. If you see someone with their hands up down here, find your way to them right now same thing you begin to pour out empty out make room don't come down here just looking for the miracle but come down here looking for the God empty yourself out right now father I empty it all out Jesus I lay it all out on the altar my past that has crippled me with fear my shame that has crippled me with anxiety I empty it all out to you Jesus pour it out Pour it out. Pour it out. In the name of Jesus Christ, right now, I speak to every bit of fear, every bit of anxiety, every bit of depression that is over anyone's mind, every bit of worry, every bit of condemnation. I bind it in the name of Jesus and I lose wholeness. Be free in the name of Jesus.
praying you can continue to do so and if you're praying for this specifically already continue to do so but if there is anybody there's one more miracle not one specifically as in one thing but one type of miracle that God is looking to do in this place if you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost that is God's spirit coming and dwelling inside of you if you have not been filled with that spirit it's available for you this morning So I'm going to ask you to do the same thing as a step of faith. If you have not been filled with the Holy Ghost and you want to, come make your way right over here. If you're already praying for it down here, continue to do so. But if you have not received the Holy Ghost and you want to receive it this morning, the opportunity is here to make your way down to the front right now. We'll pray for you. And I believe in Jesus' name you can receive that gift.